For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. Employees at Kickstarter have created one of the first unions in tech. The online fundraising platform voted in favor of joining the union yesterday. Tech workers have become the latest group to succeed in a union push, with the employees of the crowdfunding site Kickstarter voting to unionize yesterday. Engineers, designers, analysts, and customer support specialists are now represented in one of the first unions of tech workers in U.S. history. The crowdfunding platform Kickstarter, which is based in Brooklyn, New York, has 145 employees, and they're making history. Workers vote to unionize, making them the first employees at a major technology company in the U.S. to achieve that status. Kickstarter United is affiliated with the Office of Professional Employees International Union, OPEIU, Local 153, which is also an affiliate of ours, the New York State AFL-CIO. So we say to Kickstarter United, welcome to the labor family. On the phone with me from New York City is Oriana Leckert, a Kickstarter employee. She's a senior journalism outreach lead, and she's a spokesperson for Kickstarter United. Oriana, welcome to the Union Strong podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So this all just happened, the actual vote to unionize. How does it feel? Yeah, pretty great. We are pretty, pretty thrilled. Um, it was a long journey to get here, and uh, it feels awfully wonderful to have achieved what we all believe is a pretty historic victory. Yeah, it absolutely is. So, and what makes it so groundbreaking is that so you have fairly high paid white collar workers in the tech industry and you're standing up and you're saying, you know what, we want to have a voice in our workplace and we're going to get it by coming together and forming a union. So can you kind of walk us through how you got to this point? Like what was happening at Kickstarter that led to this moment? Yeah, definitely. So, you know, we understand that this is definitely a different kind of union campaign than you might have historically seen, which are typically about wages and benefits and, you know, these really critical issues. Um, Obviously, in the tech sector, those are not quite the same problems that we're dealing with, but that doesn't mean that it isn't helpful to all workers to come together, to leverage their collective voices, to achieve, you know, more justice and equity in the workplace. Um, A lot of people point to the start of this journey uh, as this one project a couple of years ago, which is a little bit of a complicated story that I'll try to summarize. Um, There was so Kickstarter is a crowdfunding platform. What we do is we, uh, you know, we create a space to for people to bring creative works to life. Uh, and so there was a project on the site. It was a comic book project. And the title was Always Punch Nazis. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was right after the election. And Breitbart got a hold of it. <clears throat> And they started making some noise about how we were, you know, going against our terms of service by having a project that advocated violence, even though, of course, it was tongue in cheek and satirical. In any case, it led to a sort of company-wide discussion about whether or not that project belonged on our platform. And it was decided to keep it on on the site, Mm -hmm. but it sort of sparked a lot of people thinking about the way that... There was just a real uh, a kind of big chasm between the senior operating team and the decisions they were making and all of the workers who were doing the work and, you know, 
people work at Kickstarter because they really believe in the Kickstarter mission. Um, Kickstarter is an extremely mission-driven company. It's a public benefit corporation. You know, it's not your standard tech company in any way. And so most people point to that incident as sort of the first stirrings, um, which ultimately led to Kickstarter United. But there have been times um, over the course of the company's 10 years, uh, you know, large-scale layoffs with no warning, um, major product decisions made without any consideration or input from, you know, the impacted workers, things like that. And so, you know, it's sort of all, like I said, uh, you know, tech's got kind of a blurry hierarchy, but Mm -hmm. still it felt like when it came down to it, there was just a real a really bad power dynamic between the general workforce and the people at the very top of the company. So what happened? You start having some discussions and, and then eventually somebody says, hey, you know, we should think about unionizing. How do you get to that point? Yeah, well, you know, to be honest, it all started before I even worked there. So I can't speak to the real nitty gritty of Mm -hmm. every step along the way. But yeah, I think like anything else, you know, workers come together and say, what can we do about this? Are there mechanisms by which we can sort of demonstrate that we can be greater than the sum of our parts uh, if we work together and, and how can we support one another and better advocate for for ourselves and to make a better Kickstarter for, for all of us. And yeah, it eventually led to finding a, a union to organize with, slowly and slowly organizing the company mm-hmm. and then taking this historic vote. And then I know, yeah, there was a lot of buzz around that the uh, the comic book always punched Nazis. But what then there was also some discussion on, and some news coverage of some of the workers getting fired through this process, at least two people. Right. Yeah, that's right. Clarissa Redwine and Taylor Moore, <clears throat> they were both fired. We definitely believe due to their organizing activity, um, management has said over and over that that was not the case. But it's certainly what we think uh, is is what led to their termination. And they both have open cases with the National Labor Review Board. So we'll see how those turn out. So let's talk about the steps before the actual election, which was uh, handled by the NLRB. You You tried to get the company to work with you first, right? Yeah, that was always sort of the plan. I mean, it was assumed that Kickstarter being this really progressive kind of radically ethical company that we could work with them from the start to forge kind of a new kind of union that was everybody that had buy-in from all sides from the beginning. And so that was that was the plan. Um, it's not how it worked out on the day that the union announced or the organizers announced that we were seeking to form a union. Our CEO at the time stepped down. Um, and one of the early statements by the new CEO was that he would not there, the company would not be voluntarily recognizing, which was before we had even asked for it. Um, we eventually did formally ask for voluntary recognition. The company again said no. They felt that the only, their view was that the only fair way to get to this point was to have an NLRB sanctioned election. Uh, so, you know, that's what we what we did, and we won. That's great. And out of the 145 employees, I think that's the right number. How many are actually going to be union members? I believe it's 85 in the bargaining unit. Okay. And what kind of titles are included in that? Or like, how did you work that out? I mean, obviously, you've got management and non-management. Was it that simple? Yeah, well, it it actually did turn out to be more simple than we had 
been that we had feared it might be. Um, part of that is, as I said earlier, there's a real blurry hierarchy within tech where you have functional managers who don't actually have, you know, the power to fire people, but they do. They are sort of have people who are their direct reports. And then you have people who have director in their title, but don't actually have anyone who report to them. And it does kind of get a little bit messy. But the only metric we wound up using was whether people had direct reports or not. And so anybody had who had any sort of supervisory role was not considered part of the bargaining unit. Anybody who did not was. Okay. And then can you tell us, uh, and you touched on this a little bit, about some of the issues your union wants on the table when you do start working on your first contract. You mentioned, you know, it's not always just about the pay. You talked about job security. What are some of the other things that you want to say, hey, this is these are the things that we want to get addressed by doing this? Yeah. Definitely. So, you know, there's there's sort of two points there. One of them is that, you know, the those of us who organized this union, um, what the work that's ahead of us now is to really work closely uh, to create an inclusive space for everybody who's in the bargaining unit to determine what a better Kickstarter means for them. So we don't intend to set the agenda. We want to really collaborate with all of our colleagues mm-hmm. to make sure that everybody's voices are being heard. That said, we definitely do have some sort of central pillars that we were are hoping to include um, a couple of those uh, pay equity so not necessarily higher wages but uh, a systemic um, sort of equity for people who are doing the same job mm-hmm. getting the same basic pay structure regardless of gender presentation disability status any sort of demographics um, <clears throat> That's one. Another is clear and consistently applied policies around hiring and firing, also around professional development and uh, disciplinary action. And then, you know, another one is the sort of proactive inclusion of workers in major decisions, both product decisions and company decisions that are going to have a pretty drastic impact on all of our lives. So um, what's the next steps now to get toward that negotiating table? What do you have to do now? Yeah, well, we have to do everything now. Uh, As one of my really smart colleagues said, really, there's nowhere better than Kickstarter to understand finishing a campaign and being so excited and understanding that all the real work is now ahead of you. So, you know, we get to figure out how we're going to communicate with each other, how we're going to meet, we're going to elect a bargaining committee, we're going to do a bargaining survey to figure out what's on people's minds. And, you know, then we're going to work to translate all of these issues into language that's appropriate for a contract. I mean, there's so much groundwork to lay and so many things that um, just really exciting things that, that we get to do to, you know, and hopefully we will get to model uh, a totally new kind of collectively bargained yeah. contract that mm-hmm. can be used to inspire people all across the tech industry uh, to see that this is possible for them too. Do you have any advice for workers who might be struggling for a voice in their workplace? Yeah, I think, you know, unions are for everyone. There is a reason why they've persisted despite, you know, decades of smear campaigns from the government and and all sorts of things. Uh, There's really the strength that we can join together and have is it's really formidable. Um, I think, you know, the most important thing is when you begin having these conversations with your colleagues to do a lot of active listening, to be really empathetic and compassionate, um, especially in the tech world, 
there are a lot of reasons why people will have a knee-jerk reaction against the idea of unionization. Often it just comes down to maybe not having had anyone in their family who was Mm -hmm. in a union, maybe never having been in one themselves. So, you know, thinking of the idea of unions as for a different kind of person. Um, But once you start, I don't know how it is in every company, but certainly at Kickstarter, Kickstarter is tremendously good at hiring. My colleagues are so smart and so passionate and so dedicated to the place we work. And, you know, once you start talking about what what could make it even better and, you know, do you know what other things have been going on with people outside of your department and people who have been, who maybe haven't had things quite as good as you have. And, and wouldn't it be nice if we could all advocate for each other in ways that would make us all stronger and happier and, you know, able to do our jobs in a more effective way. Uh, so, yeah, I think that's, that's been the real honor for me of, of getting to do this. I mean, it's a little bit sappy, but just having to have these, getting to have these really deep conversations yeah. with so many fascinating people, um, it's it's been really incredible. That's fantastic. And that Kickstarter United, it might be a small bargaining unit number wise, but you really are paving the way for all those tech companies out there whose workers will no doubt soon follow suit. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that puts a lot of pressure on you guys probably a little <laughs> bit too, right? But yeah, you know, we, we really hope so. Uh, Kickstarter has always been an industry leader in so many ways. And we really hope that this is going to be one more where people can see that People who have it, who are starting from points that are a lot worse off than we were, that this is something they can do too, and that can have really, really powerful results. Well, Oriana Leckert of Kickstarter United, OPEIU Local 153. I know there's a lot of work ahead, but this is really a huge step for all of you and for the labor movement. So we thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for taking the time to to, to explain it to us today. Yeah, and thanks for having me on. I'm really, really excited to get to share our story. Joining us on the program now is the president of the New York State AFL-CIO, Mariel Salento. Mariel, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Darcy. I appreciate it. And we have our digital director, Kevin Einsman. Hi, Darcy. And here we are already one year later. You wanted us to start this Union Strong podcast, and we have, and we're already at the one-year mark. Well, time flies, and I, I have to say you guys have done a fantastic job of of getting the message out there that, A, that the podcast exists, and second, uh, the, the job you've done in, in just getting the message out to the rest of this, to the world, really, about what's happening here in New York and the labor movement and the strides we've made just in the last 12 months has been extraordinary. So I just, I really want to thank you both for what you've done. Uh, I know how much work this is to do, so I really do appreciate it. We all do appreciate it. Really? Well, we've really, yeah, we've enjoyed it. And we just, you know, we've been learning so many things like the podcast we just had with Kickstarter United. Um, She had so much energy talking about getting, you know, the union there and really being a trailblazer for what's to come with these tech workers unionizing. I know that's something that's behind the whole Union Strong campaign that you've always talked about, having that voice, right? Well, that's why we wanted to do this podcast. You know, we recognize, even for a guy like me who's 51 years old, I recognize that there are a lot of different ways to get information that didn't exist, obviously, even Mm. a few years ago, let alone 20 or 30 years ago when I was first starting out here. So when you recognize that, you, you see that there are different pockets of, of workers, the different pockets of, of just the population who, who get their news and they get their information from different avenues. 
Uh, and that's why this podcast has been so important. So when you talk about Kickstarter, you're talking about, again, something that didn't exist, that whole way of, mm -hmm. of raising funds and raising money didn't exist five years ago, let alone 10, 20, or 30 years ago. So that, that we're, it dovetails really well into what this whole uh, initiative has been about. It's to talk to people who may not have uh, really known who or what the AFL-CIO even is mm -hmm. and getting their information in this way. And the numbers that we've, I think, we've been able to accrue over just 12 months have, have been extraordinary. I mean, Kevin, what are the mm -hmm. numbers? Over 17,000 downloads, and that's just the people downloading the episode directly. We don't even uh, know how many people are, are listening to it all the time, but we have every state in the uh, union except for Arkansas. We got to get it. We got to get the listener <laughs> in Arkansas. Arkansas. I will call the but... president that is Arkansas State <laughs> AFL CIO uh, for sure. But that again, that's what it shows. It's 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 you can get this podcast and listen to it regardless of where you are, and that's I think uh, why this is so valuable. And I think it's shown itself just by the numbers that Kevin was talking about. So um, I know we have another. Uh, next year ahead of us now to go and, and do even more and get more information out there. But the reality is that people are listening to it. I get calls from other leaders in other states, quite honestly, saying they've listened to it. They've heard it. They want to do the same thing in their, those states. And that's pretty much who we are as a labor movement in New York. You know, when you have the history and tradition that we have, when you have the, the level of, I'd say, success just throughout the years. I don't just I don't mean now, just me. I'm talking about from before I've even gotten here. Um, when you have that, New York sort of leads the way for the entire labor movement. We're proud of that tradition. Uh, and the podcast is just another example. How do labor organizations, umbrella groups such as us, get the message out mm -hmm. to working men and women, to union members and their families? This is why it's important to be a union member. This is why it's important to be active and to participate and to educate yourselves on the issues. When we do those things, we are immensely successful. So this podcast, just this past year, has been, it's been a great start. I, I can see us, Kevin or Darcy, doubling and tripling those numbers. Okay. In the next year. <laughs> right. so, so don't feel too much pressure. But, yeah. <laughs> but, I can see, but I can see all seriousness that, that we will have more people listening to it just by word of mouth. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we have 49 other states that are listening to what we do in New York shows how important it is that and, and how important it was to, to institute this initiative and, and really the contributions we make, not only to the labor movement here in the state, but across this country. And we really want to give people an opportunity, working people, to be on here and talk about the value of union membership. So we look forward to continuing to do that as well. Absolutely. So thank you, Mario, for coming in the studio. It's nice to have you here in person. Thank you very much. Thank Thanks, you. Thanks, guys. I really do appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Union Strong podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe and give us a rating. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State unions strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.